Hey, thank you for doing that. That brings joy to my heart. You may be seated. Pueden sentarse. To hear the sounds of life, I also want to greet our online viewers, those who are worshiping with us online. Quiero saludar a los que están en línea adorando con nosotros también. We're glad too that you can tie into our worship time. And I've been away, I'm back. It's good to be with you. Es bueno estar con ustedes otra vez. And as Jonathan noted, today we're beginning a new series of messages. I'll be talking about that in just a minute. Estamos comenzando una nueva serie de mensajes. To get us started, I would like us to open up God's Word, open up the Bible to a couple of places that I'd like to read from. Vamos a comenzar con dos textos bíblicos. The first is from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 6 through 9. Galatas capítulo 1, versículo 6 al 9. And then... Just one verse after that that I'd like to read, and that is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Después Hebreos 11, versículo 1. So I'll give you a moment to get there in your Bibles. This is in the second half of the Bible, towards the end of what's called the New Testament. Está hacia el fin de la Biblia en el Nuevo Testamento. And I'm going to read the Galatians text first in Spanish. Voy a leer primero el texto de Galatas en español. What we have here are words of the early church leader Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit of God son palabras de Pablo inspiradas por el Espíritu Santo and therefore this is the word of God for us as well es la palabra de Dios so let's listen and follow along together Pablo dice lo siguiente me asombra que tan pronto estén dejando ustedes a quien los llamó por la gracia de Cristo para pasarse a otro evangelio no es que haya otro evangelio, sino que ciertos individuos están sembrando confusión entre ustedes y quieren tergiversar el evangelio de Cristo. Pero aún si alguno de nosotros un ángel del cielo les predicara un evangelio distinto del que les hemos predicado, que caiga bajo maldición. Como ya lo hemos dicho, ahora lo repito. Si alguien les anda predicando un evangelio distinto del que recibieron, que caiga bajo maldición. Maldición. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let him and let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Hebreos 11, 1, it simply says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Ahora bien, la fe es la garantía de lo que se espera, la certeza de lo que no se ve. So it was at 1.22 a.m. 1.22 a.m. on July 20, or actually June 24 of last year. Fue en la madrugada del 24 de junio del año pasado. And it was a dreamy, clear, calm summer night. 
in Surfside, Florida. Fue una noche, una madrugada en Maravilla, en Florida. But at 1.22 a.m. on that dreamy summer night, everything became an instant nightmare for the residents of the Champlain Towers apartments. En ese momento se hizo una pesadilla para los residentes de unos apartamentos. Because it was at that point of the night when without any kind of warning, suddenly this 12-story condominium collapsed to the ground. It killed 98 people, trapped a number of other people, injured many. De repente se desplomó este condominio de 12 pisos y se mataron 98 personas. You may have heard about it in the news. And in the aftermath of that disaster, the experts were trying to figure out what happened and they determined that this terrible thing happened as a result of a severely weakened foundation to the building. Después se determinó que fue un cimiento muy debilitado en el edificio. Evidently, over a period of about 40 years, water had slowly seeped inside of the, 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 the foundation and it had corroded the reinforced steel bars that were in the foundation underneath the parking garage. El agua se había infiltrado durante 40 años para, para corroer las barras de acero reforzado en el cimiento. Now, engineers had inspected the building a number of times. In fact, they had just recently completed one. Los ingenieros inspeccionaron el edificio, but all they could see were just some uh, little things, little cracks on the surface, just some little things here and there. Solo veían unas grietas y, y cosas en la superficie. They did not know that underneath all of that, beyond what they could see, this building was rotten to the core. No podían ver que este edificio estaba como podrido. And so they based their faith in this building's integrity upon shaky information that proved to be false in the end. Basaron su fe en la integridad del edificio en información que era completamente falsa. Now, the sad moral of that story I've just shared with you is that it pays to inspect well the foundations. Vale la pena inspeccionar los cimientos. It pays to inspect thoroughly the foundations. Hay que inspeccionar las bases bien. That's true when you're talking about a 12-story condominium, but it's also true, I believe, when we talk about our faith in God. Es verdad con los condominios y con nuestra fe en Dios. Why is that? Why does it pay to inspect the foundations? Well, because the reality is that, that there are corrosive forces at work in our world and, and in our culture that can seep into our hearts and seep into our lives and they can in the end undermine the foundations of our relationship with God. Hay fuerzas corrosivas en la cultura que pueden infiltrarse y socavar nuestra fe and Dios. But it's not only from the outside that we have to pay attention. As Jonathan was mentioning earlier, there are forces in the last few decades from within the church. In fact, it's always been like that, where there are forces, corrosive things within the church that can get into our hearts and lives and cause a weakened foundation. Hay fuerzas corrosivas dentro de la iglesia también. 
what we're talking about goes by a number of names. It can be called progressive Christianity. Se llama la, el cristianismo progresista. Or sometimes it's been referred to as the emergent church. Maybe you've heard that term before, la iglesia emergente. Or maybe it goes by the name of postmodern theology, la teología postmoderna. The names are not as important as what's beneath the surface. What's more important is what this represents. Lo que importa es lo que representa. What we're talking about is a movement or we're talking about a, a trend that, that uses Christian language, uses the, perhaps the same language we do, that refers to the same Bible as we do. But when you drill down to the bottom, the message that it gives is different. Se usa el mismo lenguaje de la Biblia, la misma Biblia, pero mensaje distinto. What it represents is another version of the gospel, another version of the good news. Es otra versión de los, las buenas noticias. And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 6 and following, the early church leader Paul talks about this. In Galatas 1, Pablo habla de esto. He's concerned, writing here, that the Christians here are, are deserting God and the faith in Christ that they have, and they're turning to a different gospel. Los creyentes están mirando otro evangelio aquí. And he's saying that's really not a gospel at all. In other words, this so-called new version of good news is really bad news. Esta nueva versión de las buenas noticias son malas noticias. In verse 7, he says, evidently what's going on is that there are people within the church who are trying to throw you into confusion by perverting or twisting or manipulating the message of Jesus so that it comes out different. Hay los que están tergiversando y, y sembrando eh, confusión, tergiversando el mensaje de Cristo. And then in Galatians 1.8, Paul uses some of the strongest language you will find in the entire New Testament of the Bible to talk about what's going on here. Pablo usa el lenguaje muy fuerte. Look with me at verse 8. He says, here's the deal. Even if we, even if we are, even if an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one you received at the beginning, other than the one we originally preached to you, let them be under God's curse. Literally, he's saying, let them be condemned eternally. Let them go to hell. That's strong. Aun si alguien les predica un evangelio que es distinto a los, uh, 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 al que uh, les fue predicado que caiga bajo maldición. And then in verse 9, he goes on, he says, hey, in case you didn't hear it the first time, I'm going to say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Como ya lo hemos dicho, ahora lo repito, si alguien está predicando un evangelio distinto del que recibieron, que caiga bajo maldición. Paul's making it clear in case we don't get it. He's saying any message any message about Jesus Christ that claims to be new, that claims to be improved, that claims to be modernized, that claims to be updated, anything like that is really not the gospel. Cualquier mensaje que dice ser remodelado, actualizado, modernizado, no es el evangelio. 
It is not good news, it's bad news. It is a false gospel. It is fake good news. Son buenas noticias falsas. And so today, as Jonathan said, we're going to begin a new series of messages looking at this. I'm calling it Exposing Fake Good News. Vamos a entrar en esa serie, exponiendo las buenas noticias falsas. And my hope in this series is not so much that you get all excited about the fake part, but that we can identify the good part, that we can actually, through this series of messages, by exposing the fake good news, we can actually become aware of what the real good news is about. And to get clear on that, queremos estar en, tener en claro lo que son las buenas noticias de Jesús, de verdad. And so, today I want to begin by looking at one characteristic of fake good news, one value that is promoted in fake good news that I think is quite prominent. Vamos a ver un principio de las buenas noticias falsas que es muy prominente. And it's this idea that doubt is somehow better than faith. Que la duda es mejor que la fe. That doubting is, is somehow uh, more honest. Doubting is somehow being more real and being more authentic than believing. La duda es más auténtica o honesta que el creer. Now, even as I say that, I realize we need to make a distinction. Jonathan, you were right on target because that is something where, you know, you can say there's something here that's right. Doubt is not necessarily a bad thing. It is a part of faith, I believe, that we go through times of doubt. We go through times where we struggle with, with believing. Hay luchas con la duda en nuestra fe. And so I don't want to in any way say, you, you know, doubting, you can't ever doubt. No, there's going to be doubt at times. There will be times where you may say, you know, I just don't know uh, if I can trust what the Bible says about this point or that point. I'm struggling with that. Estoy luchando con lo que la Biblia dice aquí o allá. Or you may say, you know, I, I'm, really, I'm really fighting to, to depend upon God's promise in this situation or that situation. Is, is this really going to hold? We've all been through things like that. Las promesas de Dios están bien para esto o para el otro. And I want to make clear that the church really should be a place where we can do that. We can say, you know, I've got some, some things I'm wrestling with, I'm, I'm doubting. And the church should be a place where, where people will say, okay, say some more about it. Not where we come a, uh, as a church and say, well, no doubt here, we're going to tamp that down. No, the church should be a place where you can bring your questions honestly and say, you know, I, I'm not sure about this. Help me understand. And that's what we can do. We can work it out together. We can go to God's word and we can find encouragement. We can find light. We can find answers because I believe there are good responses to our questions and our doubts. La iglesia debe ser un lugar donde podemos sacar nuestras dudas y encontrar ayuda y encontrar ánimo y hasta respuestas. But the problem comes, as I said, when doubt is somehow seen as being superior to faith. That's a problem. El problema con la duda se ve como superior a la fe. When, when doubt is seen as being more intellectual or more sophisticated, 
When doubt is seen as actually a higher plane or a higher level of, of spiritual maturity than, than faith. Oh yeah, those simpletons, they believe, but I know better because I doubt. That's where the problem is. El problema es cuando la duda se ve como algo más sofisticado, intelectual, como otro nivel más maduro de espiritualidad. Perhaps you've run into people like this who will say things like, you know, I used to believe what the Bible said about Jesus healing people and casting out demons and things like that, but, you know, I, I kind of moved beyond that. I don't, you know, I doubt that. That really didn't happen. You know, when he cast out that demon, he probably just made the person feel better inside. You know what I mean? Yo antes creía que Jesús sanaba a la gente milagrosamente, que echaba fuera demonios, pero ahora no lo dudo. Soy más maduro y veo que solo Jesús quería ayudar a la gente a sentirse mejor. You maybe have heard people talk like that. That kind of doubting is sometimes called deconstruction, and maybe you've heard that term. So, a veces se llama la deconstrucción. You'll, you'll say, pe people say, I'm deconstructing my faith. I'm, I'm, you know, looking at things differently. And it sounds, you know, real intellectual. It's, it sounds real honest. It sounds uh, real nuanced. Parece ser muy intelectual, muy sofisticado, but in reality, it is a sign of a weakened foundation. Es señal de una base debilitada. In fact, in James chapter 1 of the Bible, I think the Bible really gives us something here to chew on. James chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, Santiago 1.5. It says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, anybody here lack wisdom? I do. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Si alguno de ustedes le falta sabiduría, pídasela a Dios y él se la dará, pues Dios da a todos generosamente, sin menospreciar a nadie. In other words, when, you, when you're needing help and you have questions and you need more information and you need more light and you need more wisdom, go to God. Lean into God. Si necesitan más información, más sabiduría, dependan de Dios. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Pero que pida con fe sin dudar porque alguien quien duda es como las olas del mar agitadas llevadas de un lado a otro por el viento. What I sense is saying is that even in our struggles to believe and understand, there is a, an invitation to lean into God, not away from God. A kind of doubt that says, I know better, and, and I'm more honest than you are. I am more able to figure this out than anybody else. That's a doubt that's leaning away from God towards unbelief, towards skepticism. Una duda que dice, yo sé descifrar esos misterios y yo puedo arreglar todo mi mente, es una duda que va fuera de Dios. Now, a person who's in that would never say, you know, I don't believe or I'm, I'm, I'm against God. And maybe they're not. That person may not say that. They'd probably say, you know, I, I'm just really, you know, trying to think things through. I'm just taking my thoughts where the evidence lead me, leads me. I'm trying to be logical. I'm trying to be reasonable. A lo mejor esa persona dirían, yo soy, estoy analizando con la lógica, con la razón. I'm using 
the power of logic. And I'm looking at facts. That might be what they're saying. But the problem is we need to understand our ability to think, our ability to use logic, our ability to analyze things. Where does that come from? ¿De dónde viene nuestra capacidad de entender las cosas? What is the foundation of that? You see, our ability to understand cannot be based on us. It has to be founded in something else. Nuestra comprensión tiene que estar fundada en otra cosa. So, is that foundation a sure foundation? My ability to, to figure out the universe, is that based on a superior source or an inferior source? Está basada en un, una fuente superior o inferior. Is our ability to reason as human beings, is it based on God? Does that come from God or does that come from the natural order and evolution of the universe? Viene de Dios o de la evolución del universo. Now there are a lot of people in our society today would say, well, my reasoning abilities are actually based on on the natural way of things, on, on evolution. In other words, over eons and eons and, and billions of years, we as human beings have evolved from lower life forms, from lower animals, and through a sophisticated process, we have reached this point where we now have superior reasoning abilities and we can figure things out. Dirían que nosotros hemos evolucionado de los animales inferiores para tener capacidades mentales superiores. And that's the foundation. That's the foundation for us as human beings to be able to, to make all these amazing scientific discoveries and technology and all the things that we do. It comes from the fact that we have evolved to a higher plane, that we are superior. Podemos tener muchos avances, muchos avances tecnológicos porque somos superiores. That's what gives us the ability to figure out life, to figure out God, to figure out everything in the world. That's where it comes from. Pero eso viene como la base de nuestra capacidad de entender todo. There's a problem with that. There's a problem. And the problem was actually highlighted by none other than Charles Darwin himself, who wrote The Origin of the Species in the 1800s. Carlos Darwin señaló el problema. Listen to this. As he's writing about all this, he says, With me, the horrid doubt arises whether man's mind, developed from the mind of lower animals, is at all trustworthy. Conmigo surge la horrible duda de si la mente del hombre desarrollada a partir de la mente de los animales inferiores es del todo digna de confianza. In other words, how can you get a superior intellect from an inferior source? ¿Cómo tenemos un intelecto superior de una fuente inferior? That's a problem. That's something worth doubting. There's another atheist philosopher, John Gray, who kind of puts the problem in a different way. Un ateo John Gray, un filósofo dice esto. He says this, 
the human mind serves evolutionary success, not truth. La mente humana sirve al éxito evolutivo y no a la verdad. What's he saying? He's saying if your mind and mine is the product of a random set of chemical reactions by lifeless material in the primordial soup billions and billions of years ago, if our minds came out of that, if somehow lifeless stuff became living, which is still illogical, life doesn't come from dead stuff. But let's just suppose that's true. If, if our minds are this result of this, this process of chemical reactions in the lifeless primordial soup that somehow became little microbes, that somehow became little bugs, that somehow became birds and all this other stuff, that somehow became us, if that's true, si es verdad que nosotros venimos de la sopa primordial de unas reacciones químicas a los animales inferiores y luego a nosotros, if all that's true, our minds in that process have been designed to survive, not to know the truth. You don't need to know the truth to survive. You just need to do what you got to do. Nuestras mentes entonces están diseñadas para sobrevivir, no para saber la verdad. So what is this all saying? If my ability to figure things out is based on that, my ability is very limited. My reasoning powers. What happens if I can't see it all? What happens if I don't know it all? Well, guess what? We don't. We are very limited in our ability to figure out the truth. Somos limitados. So which foundation is more sure? ¿Cuál fundamento más seguro? Which is more sure? A God who has created us in his image and designed us with an intellect that allows us to perceive what he has created and what he has revealed to us or the lower animals. ¿Puedo pensar por un Dios que me ha creado a su imagen o por los animales? You see, when you put it that way, when you think about it that way, doubt is really faith. It's faith in the wrong thing. Doubt is faith in me. Doubt is faith in my abilities to understand it all. Doubt is faith in, in the latest declarations of people who may or may not be right. La duda es fe en mí mismo. It's a shaky foundation. There's a, another Christian writer out there by the name of John Lennox, and he makes an interesting statement. He says, you know, even atheists and agnostics are people of faith. Los ateos y los agnósticos son personas de la fe. We tend to think of, oh yeah, Christians, well they just believe without having any evidence. It's blind faith. Everybody else, we're using science and we're using reason. Uh-uh. No, even atheists and agnostics are persons of faith. Why? Because we don't see it all. We make decisions every day by faith. Tomamos decisiones todos los días por la fe. Because we have limited information, limited ability to understand, and there's a gap between what we need to see and what we can see, and so we act in faith. Obramos en la fe porque hay una brecha entre lo que podemos ver y lo que vemos. You sat on that chair when you came in today, 
and you sat on it by faith. Se pusieron esas sillas por la fe. You look at the chair, you say, you know what, that chair looks solid, looks to be held together pretty good, but your information is limited. Maybe somebody sawed the legs off and you can't see it, but when you sit on that chair, you sit on it by faith. Se ve sólida la silla, pero te sientas en ella por la fe. You take medicine by faith. When you take a pill, cuando te tomas una pastilla, la tomas por la fe. There's no guarantee that medicine's going to make you feel better. It might make you feel worse. No hay garantía que eso te ayude. Why do you take that medicine? Well, you do have a little bit of information. Maybe you have a doctor's prescription. Maybe you have the, you know, the information that the FDA has approved this and supposedly they've done some research and whatnot. But there's a big gap. There's no guarantee. You take it by faith. Tienes algo de información, pero no todo. La tomas por fe. You get on an airplane and you fly by faith. I flew this week, so I can tell you it's true. Every time I step over that line, I'm on the plane now, God. This is an act of faith. The plane looks good. It's made by Boeing or Airbus. The guy in front or the gal in front with a cap on looks to be a trained pilot and knows what they're doing. But the information I have is pretty limited. And there's no guarantee once that plane's up in the air that it's going to land safely. You get on an airplane by faith. El avión se ve sólido, el piloto parece ser competente, pero no hay garantía que vas a aterrizar bien. Well, the same is going to be true with God. Has to be. Uh, last night I was with a group of young people and there was a speaker, Sean McDowell, whom some of you may have heard of, and he made a statement that stuck with me. He says, you know, when you talk about the infinite God relating to, to limited people, finite people, there's a point in the relationship where you just have to trust. You just have to because God is unlimited. We're not. En relación con Dios, hay que confiar. God sees it all. We don't. God has all of the truth. We don't. There's a gap. We must believe. Does that mean we have no information? No, we have light on our path. Tenemos luz en la senda. Hebrews chapter 11, 1, which we read before, says faith is confidence. It is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. La fe es la garantía de lo que se espera, la certeza de lo que no se ve. So, we don't see it all. We don't understand it all. But here's the problem. If there is a God that I can understand completely, then he's not God. If there's a God who, who I can figure out and I can have all the certainty uh, that what he's saying is right, that's not God. Because God, by definition, is way bigger than me. Si hay un Dios que yo sé todo él, no es Dios. So what is our foundation? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 says something very powerful. I want to read this for you. Hebreos 6, 19. It says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Tenemos como firme y segura ancla del alma, una esperanza. It enters the inner sanctuary, or it enters behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our 
behalf, where Jesus, our forerunner, has gone. Dice, penetra hasta detrás de la cortina del santuario hasta donde Jesús, el precursor, entró por nosotros. What is this saying? It's saying that Jesus Christ has entered into our world in order to light the way, to show the way from where we are to behind the curtain, behind what we can see, and behind and beyond what we can understand. And he goes before us into the very presence of God to, to establish relationship, to establish connection for us. And this is an anchor, a firm foundation for our faith. Jesucristo ha entrado en este mundo para iluminar el camino detrás de la cortina, detrás de lo que podemos ver a la presencia de Dios. Jesus said in John 8:12 something powerful, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Dijo Jesús, yo soy la luz del mundo, el que me sigue no andará en tinieblas, sino que tendrá la luz de la vida. Now Jesus when he said that is either lying or he's telling the truth. When he says, I'm the light of the world. O está mintiendo diciendo la verdad. But think about it. Think about what we have in Jesus. Jesus came into this world and he was born in the flesh. God in the flesh, the Bible says. Jesús nació en la carne. He lived a perfect, sinless life right in front of our eyes. It's there in the Gospels. You can read about his life. You can see it. In fact, John says, we've reached out. We've touched him. We've seen him. We've talked with him. In the flesh, Jesus lived the perfect human life. En la carne, él llevó la vida perfecta sin pecado. In the flesh, he died on the cross in our place, took the punishment of our sin upon him. En nuestro lugar murió en la cruz. En la carne. In the flesh, he rose again from the dead. En la carne resucitó de los muertos. And in the flesh, he has now gone into the Father's presence beyond the curtain to reconcile and connect us with God. En la carne, él volvió al Padre para reconciliarnos. I don't know about you. I don't know about you, but I'm saying that is a firm foundation. It's an anchor for our soul. Es un ancla de nuestra alma. So, I think it pays for us to inspect the foundations of our faith because while fake good news can tell us that doubt is more authentic, more honest, honestly, Jesus Christ is the only firm foundation. Aunque las buenas noticias falsas nos dicen que, que la duda es más segura, Jesucristo es el único ancla, el único cimiento de nuestra fe. So I'm looking forward to these next few weeks as we go through this series of messages, as we look at God's word together. We're going to find some incredible things, I believe. And in the meantime, I want to invite you to think, what are you confiding in as the foundation of your faith, of your life? ¿En qué confías? Is your faith in yourself? Is it in your doubts? Is your faith in the latest and greatest declarations of science, which will probably change in 10 years? ¿Está tu fe en ti mismo, en tus dudas, en las declaraciones de la ciencia que siempre cambian? I want us to evaluate our foundations.
In fact, when I talk with young people, I often say, you know what, go ahead and doubt. But don't doubt halfway, doubt all the way. Doubt all the way to the bottom. Doubt your doubts. Hay que dudar hasta el fondo, because when you get there, you're going to find something. You're going to find there are good answers. There is good evidence. There are things that can light our path, and you will find Jesus. He says, seek me, and you will find me. Busquen a Jesús. See, he's the one unshakable foundation for our faith, and that, people, is the real, the real good news. Él es el cimiento sólido, y esas son las buenas noticias. So let's pray together, shall we? Vamos a orar. Heavenly Father, I, I, I confess there's a part of me and I'm sure of others that just wants to have the full picture always. To see everything and to know everything. Yo muchas veces quiero saberlo todo y verlo todo, but that is not given to us. And so we live by faith. And we pray, God, that you would lead us in the way that we should go. As we go through this series, as we go through our week, Lord, give us opportunity to trust beyond what we can see. And thank you for the light we have in the word of God, the light we have in the scriptures that point us to the light of the world that is Jesus, the one who's gone behind the curtain for us to make a connection with God. Gracias por la luz que tenemos en la Biblia, la luz que tenemos en Jesús, quien es la luz del mundo, que nos ha conectado contigo, Padre. Help us this week when we face doubts to turn towards you, not away from you. You said, blessed are those who believe even though they don't see. Bendito los que, 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 que pueden creer aun si no ven, has dicho Jesús. And we do believe and we, we will trust by faith there is a blessing even when we don't have all the answers. I want to pray for anybody here who's struggling today that they would know that here at Sunrise, yes, we can talk about your doubts. We, we can talk about struggles and questions, and we're not going to be afraid of that. That doesn't intimidate because we understand that you are greater than our doubts, oh God. Que esta iglesia sea un lugar donde podemos hablar de las dudas. Strengthen us in our foundation. Strengthen us in Jesus, we pray. Fortalecenos en nuestro cimiento que está en Jesús. Thank you that he is our anchor. Gracias que Jesús es nuestra ancla. It's in his name we pray. His name alone. Amen. So as we wrap up today, we're going to sing a song here in just a minute, but I want to give us an opportunity to, to speak out faith, to speak out our trust in the truth of the gospel. And that is what we're going to do through the Apostles' Creed. I want to invite you to stand. Les invito a que se pongan de pie. Vamos a recitar el credo de los apóstoles. This is a declaration of faith that has been uh, used through the centuries. 
and I want to invite you to join us. We'll be reading it simultaneously in English and in Spanish. Martin will guide us in Spanish. I'll read the part in English. And let's say it together. Vamos a leer en español y inglés a la vez. Vamos a recitarlo juntos. People of God, what do you believe? ¿En qué creen ustedes? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy and universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.